I speak to you in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> well, y'all, here we are. The middle of August, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and the story of faith continues today in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Even though we are walking along with Jesus in these great green growing days of Pentecost, many of us are in the midst of some sort of transition. And so it is, by faith, we find ourselves sitting here this Sunday morning, either excited or sad or just about the same as usual. The kids have either gone back to school already or they're starting back probably tomorrow. College students are moving into their dorms and parents are either elated or some might be a little sad. My baby is starting her senior year tomorrow, so it's a little bittersweet for me. We've gotten through the summer. Some have gone on fabulous vacations. Some have done some staycations and some have just done the same old thing and that's okay. Some of you may be feeling a little anxious about getting back into a routine and sad that the summer is over. Some may be wondering what the next year holds, and some are just making it through day by day, perhaps even hour by hour sometimes. And once again, we are faced with the unknown. So by faith, we just keep going. Last week, my family flew to Kentucky to spend the week with our daughter, Hannah, and her husband, Jake. We had a wonderful opportunity to spend that Sunday morning with Hannah at her church, where she serves as the children and youth minister. And it happened to be a baptism Sunday. Two little girls, two sisters, Jane and Maggie, who looked to be about five and seven, dressed in their matching white dresses, stood up in front of the church with their parents and their godparents and their grandparents to proclaim their faith. One of them seemed like she was shy. The older one was more shy. And the little one, man, when it was her turn to be baptized, she stood on the little stool by the baptism font and she dipped her little head down over the font like, pour it on me, Jesus. I loved it. I loved how I could hear those little voices speak for themselves when Father Charles asked them, do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? And their tiny little voices could be heard all over their church saying, I renounce them. And then Father Charles asked, do you turn to Jesus and accept him as our savior? And my little Baptist self loves that sentence anyways. But in unison, the sisters said, I do. By faith, those sisters walked up to that baptismal font to be baptized in the waters of baptism, to be buried with Christ and to share in his resurrection. And they were reborn by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. 
Father Charles even pointed out last week how the words by faith that we hear in chapter 11 resonate in our being like a heartbeat. We hear it in this chapter over and over and over again. By faith, ba-bump, ba-bump. Noah responded with godly fear. By faith, ba-bump. Ba-bump. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. And this morning it continues by faith. The people passed through the Red Sea as if it were on dry land. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient. Now, do I think that those sweet little girls last week understood every single line of the liturgy that was spoken that day? No, I don't think so. But I do believe, like the great cloud of witnesses we hear about this morning, they too stepped out by faith and chose to be baptized and follow Jesus. And interestingly, what they did not hear was that by choosing Jesus by faith would make their lives easier or would prevent them from getting hurt or getting into any trouble. Yet, by faith, Choosing Jesus last Sunday changed their lives forever because now and into eternity, they are a part of God's holy family. And this morning, we hear about Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the faith that they had to be victorious. They conquered kingdoms and brought about justice, realized promises, shut the mouths of lions, put out raging fires, escaped from the edge of the sword. They found strength and weakness, and they were mighty in war, and they were routed, they routed foreign armies. I mean, that is incredible stuff. All of those things are incredible. It makes you think for a second, yes, let's go. All we have to do is be like them and we will too be victorious. We can do it, right? Hmm. But then the list continues amidst the great cloud of witnesses who also lived by faith are the ones that experienced public shame by being taunted and whipped. They became prisoners. Some were stoned to death and murdered. Some had all of their material possessions stripped away from them. They were needy and they were oppressed and mistreated. They were lost and they were wandering around with nowhere to turn and no home to go to. And it's also very important to think more about what we know about those faithful witnesses who are listed as heroes this morning. For example, 
we should remember that our girl Rahab was a prostitute. And then there's our friend Gideon who said, God, if you really intend to rescue Israel through me, I need you to do something for me. I'm going to put a wool fleece out tonight on the threshing floor. And if there's dew only on the fleece, but all of the ground is dry, then I'm going to know that you're going to use me to rescue Israel. And wouldn't you know it, when he goes to sleep and he wakes up the next day, there was enough dew on that fleece that he squeezed that water out and it filled a bowl up. But y'all, that wasn't enough. He says, okay, God, you did do that tonight, but I need you to do it again. Faith, you tell me. And David, yes, we know he did lots of great faithful things, but we also know how David struggled. He struggled with loyalty and he struggled with doing the right wise thing. All of those listed as faithful heroes, they all struggled too. And they were not always victorious. There were times for those faithful prophets and martyrs that their lives were filled with shame and sin. Oftentimes, they were not looking to God at all, thinking that they could do it all on their own. You better bet your bippy that at times they felt like the weight of the world was on their shoulders. So by faith, they kept going. Have you ever felt like that? Like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, so weighed down with guilt and shame that you can hardly focus so weighed down by all of the terrible things that we see on the news, weighed down by the fear of what tomorrow holds. So the author of Hebrews gives us an incredible victory cheer. Well, y'all know me. It's probably not a cheer at all, but I kind of think it is. He says, so let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and just fix our eyes on Jesus. At first, that can kind of sound like a Be Like Mike commercial. Do y'all remember that commercial, Be Like Mike? Um, Where it was Michael Jordan and you see him like bouncing the basketball and doing things with a ball and um, sipping some Gatorade. And then you see him out with the kids and the streets and playing basketball. They were all striving to be like Mike. And all they had to do was drink some dang Gatorade. But if we're not careful, that verse that we heard read in a certain way can allow us to get wrapped up in that same trap. Y'all, this is not a try harder and be better cheer because the truth is we'll never be able to try hard enough. 
We can't do for ourselves what Jesus has already done for us. And as Donovan reminded us last week, all we can do is trust. Trust that all that baggage that we carry, the sin, the shame, the guilt, the fear, our unfaithfulness, our self-serving, judgmental ways, every weight and the sin that clings so closely to our hearts. We have to trust that Jesus took all of that weight and sin to the cross. Jesus took all of it, everything that weighs you down. Jesus has done the work for you. He took your burden. He took your sin and your shame straight to the cross so that you can live by grace through faith. So you can run the race that is set before you. Friends, if you haven't heard it lately, I want to tell you this morning that you are running a great race. So come to the table this morning, trusting that you are here in this place of worship today to look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, to be nourished by the bread and wine of the sacrifice that he offers you and receive the forgiveness that he offers you. And by faith, You can leave a little bit lighter knowing that Jesus has taken the weight of your sin off your shoulders and has washed you clean. Amen.